Merry Christmas and welcome to St. Paul's. Um, thank you, thank you. Um, I'm going to need your help. What is the best Christmas movie of all time? How oh, the Grinch stole Christmas? Wrong. Sorry. Try again. Anybody else? Best one. It's a Wonderful Life. No. Sorry. Elf. No. Any, no, not Miracle on 34th Street, no. Come on, guys. A Christmas story is the right answer. You may or may not be familiar with a Christmas story, but it's about Ralphie. He is maybe 10 or 11 years old. I forget exactly how old he is. And Ralphie, Ralphie wants one thing for Christmas. What is it? A Red Rider BB gun. Ralphie is fixated on the glory of this Red Rider BB gun and the hope and the joy it will bring him when he has it. He will certainly be the envy of the neighborhood, the most popular kid around. He will take on Black Bart daily and constantly defeat him. But there's an inconvenient truth about this Red Rider BB gun that Ralphie is reminded of time and time again, every time he asks for one. Even Santa Claus looks at Ralphie and says, You'll shoot your eye out, kid. And yet Ralphie stayed focused on that BB gun. And um, just a spoiler alert, he got it. He got his Red Rider BB gun. It was the last present hiding behind the tree. And his dad says, son, what's that back there? And Ralphie goes and he gets it and he opens this BB gun and it's his moment of glory. And he heads into the backyard and he lines up his sight and he fires. And he hits a metal sign and the BB ricochets and hits him in the glasses. His glasses fall to the ground. Ralphie can't see and he is convinced that he has shot his eye out. I think sometimes we're a bit like Ralphie at Christmas. We focus, and, and, and rightly so, it's not a bad focus, but we focus on hope and glory, and we focus on peace and goodwill towards men. And this isn't just Christians, frankly, it's the whole world, I believe, it seems at least, is caught up in, in a feel-good nostalgia about Christmas and looking towards hope. And looking to feel good about who we are. And that maybe one day this mess of a world that we're in will be, be different. But it's a fleeting glimpse, is it not? It lasts maybe for a month. Some radio stations start us on November 1st. Carrie Hall does as well, unfortunately. And we're thinking... You know, maybe there's something more. We focus on the hope and the glory, but, but even us, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, I think we are often inconvenienced by the fact that that hope hinges on a child laid in a manger. We focus on the, the good and hopeful things, but, but we are, it's inconvenient actually to deal with Jesus at Christmas. Yes, we like to glance over the side of the manger we like to read the Christmas story. But how often do we actually deal with who Jesus is at Christmas? And yet then we're surprised when our hope and our 
good feelings and our glad tidings and our peace and goodwill, all these things that, that we so long for at Christmas when they disappear by New Year's Day. Because we haven't actually dealt with the one who brings the hope, the source of the hope. Friends, our hope and joy at Christmas is not, it's not the purpose, it's the consequence. It's what comes from knowing this child in a manger. And that's where our readings drive us to tonight. They, Luke, in all of his gospel, and especially this evening, is relentlessly pushing us to gaze on this child. First in a manger, and then at the end of the gospel, on a cross. And he says, you must deal with him. You must make a decision about him. You must know who he is. And only then will you know the true hope and the true joy and the true meaning of Christmas. And so we have then our reading this evening. Mary and Joseph are engaged. Mary is pregnant, yet a virgin. And they're traveling to Bethlehem because... The emperor Augustus has ordered a census be taken. The ruler of the universe wants to know exactly how many people he is ruling and how much money he can expect from them at tax time. And so Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem to register. There's no place for them to stay and they settle on a lowly stable with barnyard animals and a manger that would become a cradle. And we have these shepherds, and they're keeping watch over their flocks by night. And they're wondering when exactly their Savior is going to come. And I, I can imagine them looking down the hills into the town of Bethlehem and seeing this throng of people. And it's like this big in-your-face from the emperor saying, I'm in charge, I'm ruling you, Israel. You're not ruling yourself anymore. And the shepherds are wondering, when is this going to end? When will God return? When will we once again rule our land and be a light to the nations? We have a child, a child who will bring hope, a child who will bring peace, born in a stable, laid in a manger, a feeding trough, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Gazed upon by his carpenter father and his lowly, humble mother. In the midst of this setting, you have these glorious angels. You would think maybe the angels would be worshipped. I mean, in our society, in our culture, we have this really high view of angels, and rightly so. But their angels are feared, they're never worshipped, and all the angels do is point. All they do is point. They're not there for themselves. They're there to point to Jesus. And so we have these angels, and they're pointing. They're pointing to the child laid in the manger, and they're forcing the shepherds to deal with this reality. Unto you this day is born a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign you will find a child wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger, pointing to Jesus. Forcing the shepherds to see him and to meet him and to decide who he is. 
And so we come then to Christmas Eve 2014. And this scripture is doing the same thing that it's been doing for thousands of years. It is making us come to a decision about Jesus Christ. To consider who he is. There is actually very little in this passage about hope and joy. The angels don't come and say, hey, have hope and joy because God loves you. They say, go meet Jesus. He's your Savior. He's your Lord. He is the Christ. And those on whom he finds favor, yes, they will have hope and joy. And so I want you to know then tonight, if we've got to come to a decision about who this Jesus is, two things about him that may um, possibly be a bit inconvenient. If we want to know the hope of Christmas, we've got to know, first of all, that this Jesus laying in a manger is the Lord of the universe. We'll sing sing it towards the end of this service. We'll sing Silent Night and we'll say, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. The angel's proclamation tells us that. Behold, I bring you good good news, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Interesting thing about this is this would be the same introduction reserved for the son of an emperor. When the Caesar Augustus was born, he would have had a similar introduction. Rome, we have good news for you. A child is born. The imperial line will continue. You will have a king, and he will be your savior. That's that's an imperial message. That's a message for an emperor, not a child born of a carpenter in a stable. And Jesus is born no less during the census, during this time where the the Roman emperor Augustus is, is enjoying how great and wonderful his kingdom is. And he's counting all his people. And there in the midst of that, Jesus is born. And not only that, the emperor's decree that everyone go to their hometown to be counted is ushering in the kingdom and the prophecies that say the Savior, the God of Israel, will be born in Bethlehem. And so J.C. Ryle, he's a, he's a favorite of mine, says this about the emperor. Little did the haughty Roman emperor think that he was only an instrument in the hand of the God of Israel. And was only carrying out the eternal purpose of the king of kings. Little did he think that he was helping to lay the foundation of a kingdom. Before which the empires of this world would all go down one day. And Roman idolatry pass away. So we have Jesus born. He's the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. Rome has nothing on Jesus. The nations that we are surrounded by, United States including, they've got nothing on Jesus, king of the universe. And this child born in a manger is now raised and ascended into heaven. And he sits at the right hand of God, Lord of the universe, and Lord at his birth. So the first thing we have to deal with about Jesus is that Jesus is the Lord of the universe. That one's a little bit easier. The harder one is this. Jesus is also the Lord of your life. 
He's the Lord of the universe, and that's easier to say because it's abstract and it's distant. But when I say that Jesus is the Lord of your life, all of a sudden, that's, that's tougher. That's harder. Because if he's the Lord of our life, then we've got to submit to that and act as if he was. And to know exactly what that means. But that's what the shepherds, shepherds did, is it not? They heard this proclamation from the angels, and they went to Jesus. They went and they saw and they paid homage to this newborn king and they worshipped him and then they returned back to their fields giving praise and glory to God for all they had seen and heard. They met this child and said, this child is Lord of our lives. Can you say that this evening? Is Jesus Lord of your life? Because if he is king of kings and lord of lords, then he is most certainly lord of your life. And all that that means and all that comes with that is Jesus Christ, lord of your life. And so we come looking for hope, and what we find is a baby. We find Jesus. And he is the source of our hope. And only when we know that he is lord of all things when he is Lord of our lives, will we know the hope that Christmas has to bring? That one day God will redeem this world. And one day he will also finish redeeming us. I think the problem is too often we try to do this ourselves. You know, we can look at our lives, right? Now just be honest with yourself for a second. Look at your life and say, is everything going just like it should Or look around you at this world. Is everything going just like it should? Things are pretty messed up, aren't they? I know it's Christmas. I know you want to be happy. But just think about this. Violence. Injustice. Poverty. Think about your own hearts your own sin, your own brokenness, divorce, cancer. These things are eating at you. And too often we just try to fix them ourselves. In a couple of weeks, almost everybody in this room is going to make a New Year's resolution. And two weeks after that, you're going to break it. And a week later, it's gone. We try to do it ourselves. And even when we come to Jesus, we want Jesus to let us do it ourselves. And so we emasculate him and we say he's a great teacher or a good example. If we could all just be like Jesus, this world would be a better place. But C.S. Lewis rightly says he doesn't let you make that decision. You can't say he's just a great teacher because the Bible doesn't say he's just a great teacher. The Bible, the angels say he's Lord of the universe. Jesus says he's God. And so he's either lying to you, or he's a lunatic, or he is what he says he is. But he can't just be a good teacher or a good example. And so we've got, friends, we've got to make a decision. We've got to come to Jesus and say, who is he? And if we want to think he's crazy or a liar, that's fine. And you can go on your merry way. But if he is who he says he is, and if he is 
who the angels say he is. And we need to know that, and we need to own that, and we need to receive that Jesus as Lord of this universe and Lord of our lives. And so this is my prayer for you this Christmas, that you would indeed be filled with hope and joy and peace and all the things that we so long for. But more than that, I pray that you would be filled with Jesus. And that if he is Lord of your life, that he would be more so. And if he's not, that he would become so for the first time. And that you would know him with a knowledge that surpasses all understanding. And that your life would be transformed by this child who would die for your sins and for the sake of the whole world. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus, for sending him to us to be born in a stable and laid in a manger. And I pray, Lord, that we would receive the love and mercy of this child, that he would indeed be Lord of our lives and we would see him as Lord of this world. May our hearts be transformed this Christmas season so that we would serve you and follow you in all that we do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.